On Your Neighbor Is, we aim to bring you the stories of everyday people and their creative pursuits and passions. We pass by so many people in our daily cycles and don't always get to know the ones who are around us. So on our podcast, we want to highlight some of these people, people that could even live on your same block as we push our slogan, Get to Know Your Neighbors. Welcome to the podcast. This is your neighbor is. My name is Gabe. My name is Brian. How you doing, Gabe? Not too shabby. Not too shabby. You know, I'm living good. How you doing? Same here. Same here. All good. All things considered. And uh, okay. yeah, okay. we've got a very, very special guest here today. I was going to say, man, on today's oh, let me, episode. Let me not. Let me not. On today's episode, we have a man that goes by many names. Many, many names, probably too many names since we've first met this man. A true international man of mystery. I mean, you might know him as Sir Pop. You might know him as Young Pop. You might know him as The Maeve. Simply just Pop. Just Pop. Benny Pop. There's a lot of Pops. Uh, you Dr. might know him Swag. if you if you really yeah if you really an OG Doctor Swag or MC Jazz Hands. But we just we just gonna go with Ben Ben Mather. Introduce yourself, my guy. What's up, everybody? <laughs> if you want to change that damn tone of your voice, <laughs> this this is my voice. He's got the he's got the Christian Bale filter on. Yeah, right? that's what I was about to say. I <clears throat> I can't keep that up all day. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Gabe, so, Brian, uh, Joe, good to be here. That's right. Shout out, sound guy, Joe. Ben, as we'll reveal over the course of this conversation, is a very knowledgeable person about audio and visual. So, of course, he had to give a show, uh, shout out to our trusty producer, Joe. He, he just mm-hmm. slacked me and said he appreciates that. Um, it's a thankless job, Brian. It's a thankless yeah. job. It really so, is. It really it is. is. It is. Especially with these uh, requests we've been uh, bombarding him with every episode so far. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, as we mentioned, uh, Ben, one of our oldest friends from TNEC NJ, very special guest. A man of many talents. Man of many talents, exactly. I guess the way to kind of kick it off would maybe be just talking about your roots, where you're coming from. You know, we kind of start with every, quote, neighbor we bring on here talking about their neighborhood. Exactly. So, yeah, let, I guess let's just jump right into it. So, yeah, I mean, how would you describe, you know, your upbringing and stuff you were exposed to as a as a youth and um, where you grew up as pivotal in forming the artist and musician and builder and chef and everything else uh, you are today. So uh, shout out to Southside Teaneck. Where, where do you guys rep uh, Southwest South, Teaneck? Southwest. Southwest. That, that, that is a distinction made purely by one block's difference, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and for those the, listening at home, I don't know if it's a perfect description, but mm-hmm. I just looked on Google Maps and used Queen Anne and Cedar Lane as my, what's the word I'm looking for, axes, if you will, okay, okay. and uh, looked like we were in that Southwest, so you know we're going to rep that to death. Yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess technically I, am, I might be Southwest. So the fun fact about Teaneck, Cedar Lane and Teaneck Road are kind of the two main axes. I think it's Cedar Lane. I, I might be wrong there. But um, the numbering scheme for all the houses are based off of how far away they are from those two roads. I did not know that. So wow. if you, take your, if you take your house number and you multiply it by 10, that's how far away it is from Teaneck Road. So now that you all know uh, you guys well, have... Well, <laughs> well, well, yeah. In that case, I mean, I, I, I think I just revealed my Southwest bias there. You know, yeah. using <laughs> using Queen Anne and Cedar as the axes. I mean, I think yes, yeah, Cedar and and Teaneck really are the appropriate axes. So uh, stay tuned, listeners. I'll uh, gotta load up the Google Maps after this episode and uh, <laughs> see if we need to rip something else. Y'all, y'all just became a lot easier to track for the fan. Well, Gabe, oh, Gabe, yeah. as you're you're a oh, bit yeah. harder to track down. Yeah, that that's a little thing that I learned in uh, in the ambulance corps. Shout out Teaneck Volunteer Ambulance Corps. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's actually a good segue, or maybe not a segue, but just something I want to call out. Ben, as we've both mentioned kind of briefly so far at the beginning of this episode, you're a man of many talents. 
You're a musician, a guitarist, a multi-instrumentalist, painter, and artist in various mixed media, which I would love to, you know, get into kind of the difference between paint and other mediums you've used, but also somebody who is improving lives daily by being a medical professional. So, I mean... I'm, I'm still kind of waiting on that intro about your name. Right, right. Sorry, I've, I've been, I've, but, uh, I've been spitting fun facts. But I think, my but I think after that, you know, something great to talk about would be maybe how you juggle, you know, doing all these different things you do in the creative pursuits while still obviously, you know, having one of maybe the most stressful jobs uh, and most important jobs we have in this country. The man got a lot going on for sure. Let's bring it back to that beginning, though. Let's start at the beginning with you, Ben. Right. My my superhero origin story. It's um, exactly. a very good place <laughs> to start. Born and raised Teaneck. Okay, born Jersey City. Raised Teaneck. Oh, shit. Um, I didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Over in, like, the really dank part of Jersey City Hospital. Nice. But raised in Teaneck. Super, super diverse area. For those who don't know, Teaneck was the first area to voluntarily integrate its public schools. That's and facts. And they really don't gloss over that in the school system. They like they really emphasize the importance of uh, of bringing lots of different people together and sharing each other's perspectives. So I think we all grew up with that openness and that that willingness to see other perspectives and try other modes of thinking. And that probably had a lot, you know, had a big impact on my desire to play around with so many different crafts. Mom's a dance teacher. Dad is the lighting designer. So I come from theater folk. Sister is a ballerina. Shout out, Ruby. So yeah, I, I growing up, always identified primarily as a musician. And I thought I was going to be a music producer. And then two things happened. One, I went to guitar camp to the National Guitar Workshop, which no longer exists. When was this? This, I, I had to have been like 15. But like that, that was a point where like I really thought music will be my career. And then I right. start seeing all these other people that are either better than me or younger than me or both. And I'm like, these guys have so much dedication that I need to just get out of their way. Like, I, I do not practice like they practice. I do not have what they have. I need to find something else. I can still do it as a hobby, but my respect for them kind of showed me that I didn't feel cut out for the, for the music industry as something to, to pay my bills. Um, but the other thing which would seem like a negative thing, but sort of became a positive, was I got really sick with ulcerative colitis. I got diagnosed at 16. Two years later, I uh, got some pretty major surgery, my entire large intestine removed. But that experience showed me the medical world. So suddenly there's this whole world that was unexplored, and I started learning more and more about it. The more I learned, the more I was like, I want to do this. So went into the sciences, I just graduated from nursing school. I take my boards in just a little under two weeks. Congrats. 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 Thank, Good thank luck. You. Hopefully going to be working at St. Joe's in Patterson in the third busiest ER in the country. I, I, I work there right now as a scribe, which if you don't know what that is, basically I, I follow the doctors around. I do uh, charts for them. And if you see 20 patients in a day, that's 20 charts you have to write. But if you have someone else like me to write them for you, that saves you a lot of time. You get to see more patients in a day, help more people out. Interesting. I, I, funny, I thought a scribe would be somebody, you know, recording the tales of brave heroes, <laughs> you know, slaying dragons. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I, I mean, it's it's that's not too far off. Some of these doctors are pretty brave with uh, with the things they see. I mean, literally, yeah. And, and that's I, I think that's really awesome that you were in, you know, obviously we all know you were in a really tough time with your health for a moment there and to come out of that and want to kind of give back to these people in this organization, this industry that that help you out. You know, I think that's really awesome. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, one of the other things that like made it more palatable was finding out that a lot of the doctors that I had come to respect also had musical hobbies or art hobbies. And, and I was like, oh, so you don't have to just do one thing. You can do both. You can be both. And so I'm just kind of a guy that tries everything. And I think sure. a lot of people, they sort of self-identify as doing one thing or doing a couple things, and then they just stick to that and they don't want to try anything else. But maybe it's maybe it's ADD, maybe it's something else. I don't know. But when when I see something that I've never tried before, I just want to try it. I mean, you, yeah. you can see that you can see that in a lot of of my paintings. There, it's not one consistent style. That's I know true. you guys have talked about uh, 
Instagram and all these digital platforms that are really taking over, especially during a pandemic when people can't go out and meet in person. I see a lot of these Instagram profiles where people will just post the same type of thing because they know that consistency is what people look for when they're deciding what to follow. That, I, I can't do that. I yeah. have to be trying different stuff. Totally. I mean, yeah. I think that makes you stand out for that reason, though. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a very good segue. You know, I think one of the reasons, you know, we really want to get you in conversation with us, obviously being one of our, our greatest buddies in the world, but also, like you just said, you know, you're somebody who dabbles in a lot of different things. Music, painting, food, drink, um, woodworking, you know, building, other other types of things. And I guess, yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on a little bit in terms of maybe what the impetus is in you attacking those different things. But do you feel that doing so many different things, I mean, what would you, how would you describe the effect it has on each one of those individual things? I mean, like, would you say it keeps it fresh, you know, being that you can dabble in painting, you can go back to music, you can go back to this. How would you say that? You know, knowing that you've got a lot of things, quote unquote, in production simultaneously at any given time, would you say that affects your sort of creative process at all or 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 maybe not? Absolutely. I mean, you you exercise different modes of thinking with each medium that you try out. And if you can take a mode of thinking that you've learned from one practice and apply it to another practice, then you're going to be approaching that practice in a way that no one else is approaching it. So, totally. and, and this, this really becomes evident for me when I'm approaching anything medical, I, I consider myself a very right brained person, but so when I'm doing nursing school, like people will be making flashcards, people are doing, be doing very organized <laughs> study habits. One of my study habits was I made a podcast. I like, I literally just, I sat down and took my patho notes and made a podcast where I was explaining everything and paraphrasing everything, but I would sing the key terms in four-part harmony. And, you know, if you look at the podcast market of, there's there's a million resources out there, especially on YouTube, of people explaining nursing concepts or med school concepts. You've got Khan Academy covering everything now. Um, Totally. But no one does it in that kind of way that I'm doing, just because I'm approaching it from a completely different angle. And so, so anyone can do that. Anyone can take what they do, apply it to something completely differently and make something new. And I think that's, that's what makes, what makes anything special. Totally. It's like how, how are you doing something in a way that other, that only you know how to do? Exactly. Yeah. What are you bringing to the table? You know, it's, it's something that I think definitely is more applicable in, you know, maybe your traditional art forms and stuff like that. But yeah, as any artist or creator, I think you always want to try and think, okay, what's my angle? What's my voice? You know, what can I bring? And you're right that even doing something like a podcast from your notes from school even if you were kind of doing it just as a way to pass the time or maybe help you remember more. I feel like that's the type of thing that's always going to resonate because it's coming from such a position of knowledge and a base that you've built, you know, and I think at least as a consumer of art myself, something I always, I think, respond to is when I can tell that the person is truly passionate and interested and, and knowledgeable or clearly an active student of what they're presenting. Yeah. I'm almost afraid to to say this just at risk of sounding really pretentious, but like one exercise that you can try with yourself just to, to exercise that muscle is like take any sense and describe something of a different sense with terms of that first sense. So like if I'm tasting food, trying to describe it in terms of sound, like the the drink that I'm drinking, does it have any bass notes in it or is it all treble? Mm. And like when you when you crosswire your senses like that in just a little fundamental exercise, you start to see things really differently and you start to see possibilities that that you wouldn't otherwise see. We get totally. into some trippy shit. Yeah. Just like crosswire your senses. Describe music as like being sour or bitter or sweet or tart. Would you, um, as somebody knowledgeable about 
the, the medical field and the human body and anatomy, would you say that connects to something like synesthesia in any way? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely like, you know, one of my favorite YouTubers, Adam Neely, he's got a, a bit of synesthesia where he he perceives certain letters as being connected to certain colors. So whenever he animates music and musical notes, he'll color the different chords or the different notes based on the the colors that he feels are associated with it. And that's something that is, it's not based in something that anyone else would feel. It's just very attuned to him only, but it gives his content a certain flavor that you're just not going to find anywhere else. Totally. Yeah. And, and maybe those letters have different flavors and stuff like that too, you know. But, I mean, that's super interesting, you know, and yeah. I guess... Interesting outlook on things. It's cool, though. Totally. But, but, like, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm going to take that advice, just be careful of, like, saying anything like that out loud. Because if you're, <laughs> if, you're, if you're swirling a glass of wine and you're like, I'm not getting any bass notes from it, like, people will look at you funny. <laughs> They'll yeah. think you just so, hit a line in the bathroom. Yeah, you can, <laughs> yeah. You, can, you, can, like, you can do it, but keep it to yourself, but use it. But don't let other people know you're doing that. <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel like that, I feel that. Uh, is a microcosm of the mark of a great creator, whatever. Somebody that's artiste. putting something out for yeah, artiste, something putting something, somebody putting something out for consumption. You got to know what to include and what not to include. Ben, uh, I wanted to go back to something you had mentioned before. So it's it's clear that you have this innate creative nature where you like incorporate art into like almost everything you do. I mean, literally making a podcast where you sing your your notes is as artsy as it gets. But you were talking about how like growing up, you know, you had a pretty theatrical family with your mom and dad and sister. And so I guess that's how it connected to you getting into music. But what I'm curious about, because I don't think I actually know the origin story of this is like what what was the transition of you going from really just being more of like always a, a musician that tried out many things to deciding to dabble in like painting things? Like where's the connection in there? Okay, so that was pretty specific, actually. It was right after I graduated college because okay. throughout college, I was in the Rutgers University Glee Club, which if you've never heard of Glee Club before, it is nothing like the show Glee. They're a bunch of singing motherfuckers. Yeah, it's it's a bunch of singing motherfuckers. But we were like in tuxedos, singing serious choral music, singing in Russian, singing in in German, and you know we did a lot of of serious stuff, and it was really really intense. I mean, we got to tour Europe. Subtle after, flex. Yeah, subtle. <laughs> the group toured Europe, and I just happened to be a part of it. I was not like the still a subtle flex. Word. Okay, <laughs> hence hence my introduction international. Yeah. <laughs> Overseas, um, booked and busy. I just don't I just really don't want people to think like, oh, he was in that show Glee basically, but in real life. No, not like Were you not though? <sighs> we never sung pop songs. Sang. Okay. okay. Sung, sang, sang. But so when it, when I graduated, I'm like, oh shoot, what's my creative outlet now? And really? while I was at work just starting off, uh, I started doodling. And the more I doodled more I was like, okay, this is getting interesting. And then there was a, there was a specific moment I was watching comedians in cars getting coffee uh, with Jerry Seinfeld. He was interviewing Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey gave him a tour of his studio, and it had all these really interesting paintings. I forgot uh, he was doing paintings. Yeah, and I was like, ooh, that that sounds cool. I think I want to try painting. And so I just went to AC Moore, bought a bunch of canvases and some paint got like a bunch of cheap paint and cheap brushes and just started messing around and simple uh, as that yeah, yeah. and i started off by started off by painting microscope slides because i knew that if i messed up no one would know <laughs> it's not like you're not painting a face <laughs> that's actually like, genius right <laughs> so totally <laughs> yeah i mean what what a way to get started and before that i'm just going to touch on this in case anyone listening is considering painting if if they're like on the edge they haven't started yet they're they're looking for that that push if you're going to start painting the very very first thing you do is just scribble with paint like think about if you're if you're trying to decide what kind of pen to buy you click the pen and you just use whatever scrap paper is nearby you just like make a few lines but you're not trying to draw anything pretty you're just trying to see how it feels right 
do that mm-hmm. with paint. Just feel what it's like to drag it across a surface and intentionally make something bad. And if you start with the idea that I'm going to make something bad and that is okay, you're not going to care about messing up. So basically and, just go in with like no plan. Just put your brush on the board and see what comes out. Exactly. Because that's the, for me, that's the only way to get started. You have to be willing to accept that you're not going to make anything that you're happy with in the beginning. I like that point of view. Because I feel totally. like a lot of people probably get like discouraged because they'll they'll try something out, but they have like, this idea in mind that they want to do something, you know, very specific and then it doesn't come out how they thought and they're like, Oh, I'm bad at this. So they just give it up right there. Totally. They just have too many expectations going in. Right. Right. If, if, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, did it make a sound? Does anyone care if it made a sound? If you made a bad painting in your basement, does anyone care? (laughs) No. So just make a bad, go out there and make a bad painting. Everybody. That's the matter of this episode. Yeah. That's my motto. Make bad paintings. Make bad paintings. Okay. I'm about to do that right after this episode. Yeah. That's lit. <laughs> That's lit. So yeah, and ever since then I've been like I, I did like some radiology stuff. I would like paint X rays and C T scans. I've painted using human hair. I went to a wig shop, I bought some hair. But I bought a I bought a weave. I cut the the fibers off and I coated them in paint and I put them on the the canvas and I just how much you dry. drop on the weave, bro? You out here balling <laughs> on Brazilian weaves? How much <laughs> you how much you drop? It wasn't too much hair. It was it was just enough hair to get the point across on the canvas. But I was trying to make loose connective tissues. So I'm like, I need to make something fibrous. How do I do that? I know hair. That's a great idea. Yeah. And I, I figure hair would stand up better than something like maybe um, celery, or, you know, or something else. <laughs> with, I'm just trying to think of other fibrous materials. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really awesome. And for you to go from somebody just squiggling on a page to somebody who's, you know, incorporating mixed media. I mean, what do you think was that first impetus to sort of say, okay, I want to push this and I want to push these limits. Was it maybe a particular idea or were you just thinking of, yeah, just expanding your repertoire in general? Well, I mean, any, any time that you have an idea and, and for me, the, the, the goal was just, okay, paint loose connective tissue. What does that look like? Okay. It looks really, really fibrous. It's got a lot of texture. How do I do that with paint? I don't know. How do I do that using something other than paint? And I think maybe that's the thought that other people wouldn't have is they wouldn't think to go beyond paint. Right. They wouldn't think to go beyond the the conventional limits. Sure. And, and I'm always willing to say, hey, what's something that we can use that's not within the conventional limits? If I'm on the street and I hear uh, like a fluorescent light bulb in the subway that's like making a certain tone, my first thought is, how can I record that so I can turn that into a tone for to make a synth later. Like I haven't, I haven't like actually done that, but that's the thought that I have, you know, does that make totally. sense? No, 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 totally. And I feel like you're hitting on something that I think is a concept that artists and creators have been thinking about for years. It's like, how do I represent what I'm trying to represent to the viewer? You know, I mean, obviously some forms of art are meant to be intentionally ambiguous, but I think what you're talking about is working on, okay, I want to represent this, fibrous material i want to represent this you know connective tissue or whatever it is am i going to be able to achieve that with paint or do i need to push it a little bit right and i think something that you know probably just most artists can relate to is that like the brain of an artist is just wired so differently so something like you talking about like the noise that a light in the subway is making like most people are just going to walk right past that and not think of it or think like oh that's annoying or something but the fact that creatives really take in all their surroundings and either get influenced or inspired by it and then are able to turn that into something else is what makes them the artists that they are really i think it's also like what you're drawn to yeah. um i mean i'm when i find people that are mixing genres that just gets my gears turning like it, this might be like a, a kind of a goofy example but the first time i heard old town road and i was like oh shit totally totally and i mean he's doing something no one's doing and and i mean we see the response to it major major smash and in my opinion one of the best 
pop songs, top 40 songs, whatever you want to say, released in our lifetime, too. Right. Like, let's mix hip hop and country. Who would have thought? But this guy did it. And maybe a few other people tried it before, but they didn't like it was too country or it was too hip hop. But like he, he yeah. found that sweet spot. And you wouldn't find that if you didn't try. Totally. I'm like, I'm scrolling through my photo library right now, just trying to like think of what are, what are good examples. I think we all know sort of where this mixed media art conversation is headed and that it's got to be the blood painting. I was going to bring it up. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously you've got the floor. This is your interview. We're just the humble hosts. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think anybody who's a follower at home, I'm sure has come across that. So yeah, I mean, the floor is yours. I'm sure a couple of listeners just shut off the episode as well, but that's fine. That's fine. It, we it, want yeah. you to talk about the blood painting. It's yeah, okay. Joe. Joe, can we um make sure we don't get any crazy uh you know ignorant comments in the post yes. of this episode? That's please, Joe. We please. got no place for that. Filter out all the haters, Joe. Please. I can't see him. I got the blockers on. <laughs> this 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 <laughs> podcast is brought to you by Blood Paintings. Be positive. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out our first sponsor. <laughs> it's now a paint too. <laughs> anyway though all right you know let's let's give the good people at home some explanation here right so um i didn't just like come up with this on my own I, I there are other people that have done this before but once you realize that blood can be used as a paint as a medium i don't know how you how you even resist the urge to to play with it and, and see what happens. And um, maybe it's that lightheaded feeling you get. When <laughs> or you maybe it's literally need just some more access to blood. Maybe it's the access. I mean, I, I'm not going to say exactly all of the steps of how I get, but it, it was my own blood. It was safely obtained. It was, you know, obtained sterilely. For all the feds listening to the episode, this man did not kill anybody. I did not kill it anybody. It was his own blood. For, I did not kill anyone for that painting. Um, for that painting. No one was harmed in the making of this piece. Exactly. Of this one painting, he people's can't, world views. He can't he can't speak on it for other paintings, but for this one painting, nobody was harmed. Right. If you decide I'm gonna try to make a painting with blood, you the next thing you gotta decide is okay, what do I paint? And that's not a medium that you can really use lightly, I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think it has to be something that uh that dramatic really, really matters yeah and, and powerful yeah deliberate yeah right you, know, you don't want to just be like oh i painted this picture of a barn and actually there's my blood in there right yeah, no if you if you did like some happy-go-lucky painting with your blood then we probably question your mental health for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> and even even if it's like a sad painting like it's gotta it's gotta be bigger than you so i just thought about like all the crazy stuff going on in the world in in our country this was what 2018 that I started working on it. I I gave it like a few months to dry and really cure because blood does change color over time. And I I mixed it with pouring medium. I did a lot of tests to see what would happen when you mix it with different concentrations of pouring medium and water to get the dilution just perfect and to preserve the blood so it doesn't just oxidize. But I so uh, what uh, for our viewers at home and listeners, uh, what is a pouring medium? So when you've got paint, paint is a, a comes in different textures, right? And you can change that texture by adding a medium. A medium has no pigment in it, so it takes on whatever color you put into it. Mm-hmm. So if you if you go around and you see paintings that have tons of texture that feel like you just want to touch them, like you look at them from the side and it's all almost sort of jumping out at you, those usually have a bunch of medium with paint mixed into it. So it can either add texture, it can add a glossiness, it can take a glossy paint and make it matte. It just It's a way of playing with how the paint is presented. So for this, it was a pouring medium, so you mix some paint into it, and then you can pour it. You can like do a Jackson Pollock splatter thing if you want. And that's kind of what I did. I, I like used a, a pipette, like an eyedropper, and I just dropped it from like five feet high and let it hit the canvas in sort of like a splatter, make it look kind of crime scene-like. I didn't want to use a brush. That just didn't really make sense. But so, so the two paintings that I ended up making, one was a map of the United States where I painted all of the red states from the 2016 election red. And I used two canvases 
so that I connected them with with wood on the back. So there is a physical divide that runs through the country. And I offset them from one another. So you wouldn't be able to put a frame on the top and bottom. It's offset. It, it feels like the painting is disagreeing with itself. Right. And so it's not necessarily meant to be a fuck you. It's not a it's not as much as I'd like to just say that it's it's more about that specific decision that was made in 2016 and how it affected the psyche of the country. And the other painting was of the American flag, but it's inspired by the Mark Twain flag during the height of American imperialism. Mark Twain made a joke about changing the white stripes, which represent innocence, changing those to black and changing the stars to skulls and crossbones. And ever since I heard that description, it stuck with me. And I thought, one day I've got to, I've got to do that. How do, I, how do I take that, bring that to life, but then add myself to it, add something different, something new to it? And then I put two and two together. I was like, oh, right, blood painting. Naturally. naturally. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> naturally. So playing around with different concentrations, again, of pouring medium versus blood, I was able to make some, the, the white stripes look black and the red stripes look red. I made a carved a stamp, made skulls and crossbones. But then the underlying thing, instead of just canvas, I laid down strips of newspaper and they were all articles about the Trump administration, about the conflict within the country. And I wove them together in a way that creates like a vague sort of like a weave that looks kind of like the Confederate flag. And that sort of represents this this dark underbelly that we have a hard time acknowledging truthfully. Totally. Uh, yeah, it's a very powerful piece, you know, and, and we definitely, exactly. you know, need to um, link to it when we post this episode. Yeah, I was going to, you know, touch on the same thing. That that's clearly some very powerful imagery that you decided to create incorporating the blood. And I know that those two paintings aren't the only time where you've decided to create something with like a striking message or maybe tied to like something going on in politics or whatever. So I was going to ask, what is it that leads you to take your, I guess, your view on things in the world and put that into your art? Like, why do you decide to incorporate that in there? Well, I mean, you can, anyone can write a Facebook post detailing their beliefs about a given situation. And I'm not shooting that down. But um, to me, there's something special about speaking on a topic in a more abstract way, mm -hmm. in a way that bypasses that sort of just I'm arguing with you. It's like you see it and you get it. Or maybe you don't get it, but but it it leaves an impression on you and maybe it sort of comes to you later. And I there's something really special I find about abstractifying relevant things. I was just gonna say, and like you mentioned about the difference between something like this and like a Facebook post, I feel like a lot of people when they see, you know, the written word, unfortunately, um maybe due to the era of social media we live in, so many people, you're just never, ever, ever, ever going to convince them arguing back and forth on Facebook. So yeah, right. I mean, you know, you're taking it out of the medium in which they've been playing, if you will, and kind of putting something in front of them. And if they view it, you know, they're, you would hope that they're kind of forced to reckon with what you're presenting. Right. Exactly. I mean, it, it, it's every time that I see the, just the word racist thrown mm -hmm. into a, a Facebook comment war. As soon as someone calls someone else racist, you've lost them. Even if, and, and, and maybe that the person that you're arguing against is racist, but as soon as you say racist, they interpret that as you are evil. And they're and, like, yeah, and you're attacking them. And they get defensive. They're like, well, I'm not evil. I have to, I have to defend myself. And, and, and yeah. And, and so many of those comment wars are just such a losing game anyway, because they're convinced one way from the beginning and it's just not going to change. Right. And everybody's so, biased. So what do you do instead? You oh. you just show them what racism is. Show, That's what I was going to say. Showing, not telling. Yeah, I was going to say, like, those, you know, arguments and comment sections of whatever social media platform, like, you're really not going to get anywhere most of the time with those. But something like, you know, a painting with such a profound message, like, nobody's going to argue with your painting. Like right. they either they get the message or they don't, but you're able to get your point across and hit them over the head with it way more deeply, I would say, than if you were just, you know, writing out like a, a long comment replying to their ideas. So with music, like for me, 
the most beautiful example of that is um, when Jimi Hendrix played the national anthem at Woodstock. Yes. He, he, if, so if you don't know about this, the sun rises on Woodstock. Man, talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm so glad you brought this up. And Jimi Hendrix plays the national anthem on his electric guitar, but he cranks up the distortion and he plays it in such a way that he takes these pauses to like simulate the sounds of bombs dropping with his guitar. And it becomes a statement on the Vietnam War. And so, and he's not saying, oh, say, can you see bombs are dropping on innocent people? Like, he's not saying it. He's just portraying it with with sound in a way where you're forced to empathize. Totally. Because it's like, oh, you know, like that is exactly the type of thing that somebody on that, you know, whatever you want to call it, end of the spectrum would be seeing as, you know, a huge source of pride. And that's the type of thing that they want to defend to the death, you know, the national anthem, you know, and now we see that in these various sports leagues and stuff like that, where people just choose to be ignorant and choose to completely ignore what these players and these activists are are really speaking up about. But but you're right. It's like in that moment, it's like and the same extends to what you're doing. It's like, OK, the national anthem, you know, he's not going to let you have that. Oh, you know, you know, this fits in with my worldview whatever no he's gonna have a very jarring performance with huge distortion those sound effects and the same with you you know we obviously know how the flag has always been held in reverence by a certain type of person in america and even more so now to the point that it's like a a completely sacred thing and now you're representing it frankly how it should be represented you know like a real representation of all of the ills of this country. And just a quick tidbit for the fans, I believe I was reading a Drake interview a couple years back, and he mentioned that that performance, which I believe was at the Monterey Pop Festival, I think, was one of the like pre-show hype-up videos he watched in his, uh, in his tour bus or green room or whatever. So yeah, I mean, yeah, wow. I think that's just more of a more of a trivia question than anything, but clearly a very powerful performance. And it's like, yeah, it gives so much of the agency back to the artist by saying, okay, well, you know, I'm going to take this symbol, this thing that you resonate with, or that resonates with you rather, and I'm going to show you it through my lens. Right. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, that's, that was an awesome discussion. And I feel like you know, we've really kind of given a comprehensive view on your your painting and your art. But something I want to make sure that we talked about was kind of how you're operating as a, a home musician. You know, obviously, any musician in the current situation we're in is kind of forced to operate from home. Last episode, we were talking with Dorian about how he's constructing his home studio. Gabe has done the same. So what, you know, you mentioned earlier on in our conversation that now you've kind of moved more to music as a hobby. So can you kind of break down your process from maybe writing on an acoustic to tracking in a program or whatever, and kind of how you take, you know, an idea and inspiration from that to something that's in a logic or, or something like that, and, and maybe what you think helps you do that or what you kind of lean on the most, be it technical or be it hardware or software? Absolutely. So one thing that I'm really into is using the structure of music to elevate the message that you're saying. So the song I'm working on now, it's called I Keep Missing You. I wrote it three years ago. It's it's been on the shelf for so long now. Well, hey, I mean, that's an amazing thing when it's on the shelf and it finally comes off the shelf. Yeah. Obviously, nursing school for two years is going to uh, make it hard to work on a song where you know you can get very easily lost into it. So there was a lot of delayed gratification there. But that song started off just me experimenting with a looper pedal. I was playing around with the chord progression for Get Lucky. I was building up layers. And then I realized that there's this button that if you double tap it, it flips the entire audio track and plays it backwards. And I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, shit this actually sounds pretty good. I should write a song like this. Totally. And so then I was just obsessed with this idea of a palindromic song, of a song that like you could listen to it forwards and backwards 
and it's the same song but like the first half would have forwards and backwards elements and then they would sort of get revealed in the second half where the backwards elements become forward and the forward elements become backward i i later abandoned the idea of it being perfectly palindromic because never let yourself fall too far in love with a gimmick but i took that idea of like symmetry and i made it so that it's a duet a guy and a girl they're singing to each other but his verse is forwards and then her verse chord progression wise and instrumentally is backwards lady interesting and and at the time i was dating a girl we we were in a a long-term relationship and she lived in staten island i lived in new jersey so we had the problem of of long distance you know after graduating and i wanted to translate that idea of distance into time because i was like if if i just make it about us being too far apart distance wise it's like it's going to be too direct it's going to be too on the nose let's translate it into something else So I I made the premise, guy works nights, girl works days. So guy Mm -hmm. comes home, he has had a long day at work, he wants to tell her something, but she's asleep, so he goes to bed. Girl wakes up, she wants to tell him something, but he's asleep, so she goes to work. And so they just keep on missing each other. I like that. And uh, and then that becomes reflected in the forwards and backwards nature of the instruments. Yeah, I love that. And I'm sure that's something you can relate to, you know, as, as a medical professional with some some weird hours i'm sure yeah yeah i mean honestly the 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 guy's verse it's like i literally just took one scenario that i had at the hospital translated that into the first couple of lines and so it's like i want to tell her about my day i want to tell about this kid that almost died that like i sort of saw myself in him in a way damn like that that's that's something you really like you want to tell someone about that you want to get that off your chest oh totally i mean you know it's Personally, you know, I feel like so many things are better when you are able to voice them and, and talk about them, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's some heavy stuff. Yeah. You mentioned duets, you know, maybe not at the time that this <laughs> thing started on the shelf, but duets are certainly something you're very uh, familiar with now. Um, maybe you want to. <laughs> Maybe you want to speak on that real quick or plug look, something Look at my man quick. doing the segue over there. Okay. <laughs> okay. I had to. I had I to. I peeped it. I peeped it. Smooth hey, I'm trying to peep it so we can get some of this man's following. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I forgot we also have a TikTok star on this episode right now. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was weird. Um, speak yeah, on it. So, so I'm on TikTok. Same account as my Instagram, Ben's Right Brain. Nice. Uh, and yes, I also have a Ben's left brain on Instagram. Uh, that's for the medical side of me. It's uh, true, we all. Page, y'all. Follow the page, comment, like. Yeah, but so I, I realized that there are musicians on TikTok. And when you hear someone playing piano and singing, and there are like these little gaps here, you're like, ooh, I could throw a guitar part in there. You just pick up the guitar and you, you hit duet on TikTok and you just put that out there and you just keep on doing that. And you get in touch with a lot of cool people. And there's just a lot of opportunities to experiment and play around and that's kind of what i'm all about is just experimenting so yeah i've, I've been duetting people musically i do edit one cosplayer she did like a mary jane watson cosplay thing where she's holding the spidey suit so i'm like oh great i don't have to get a spidey suit i could just be peter parker looking for his spidey suit and as of now that's like at 50k f- <laughs> views Jeez. jesus christ Right. Okay. Yeah. That number just went up. That's so now. Yeah. Now we're at 50k. Dude needs so, to monetize ASAP. Facts. Yeah. And it's, it's all been downhill from there, <laughs> but that's fine. That's to be expected. You can't choose your hits. No, you're about to get another 50k just off this episode. Yeah. Right. Actually, just don't, don't forget about us after this episode. Facts. Like when you, when you blow up from that Spidey clip and from this episode <laughs> and all that, just like make sure you, you bring us along for your first official interview, you know? Yeah, when, of... when we uh, post a picture of us, uh, you know, doing this episode, please don't have your people contact <laughs> us and say, actually, could you take that down, please? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't really align with my client's um, uh, pedigree. Right my man now. is getting an agent right after this call. <laughs> Joe, I, I, hey, I, Joe I, just slacked me. He he said the requests are already rolling in. Oh, great. <laughs> Thanks for that, yeah. Joe. So many, so many notifications. Yeah, but, you know, like, there's also a, a big part of me that, like, wishes that there was a function where you could just hide those numbers from yourself. Because as soon as that happens, you sort of get, you get hooked on it. 
right. and then you want the next post to get as much love and you want the next post to get as much love and you start doing it for the wrong reasons. So because you just crave the likes and the right. So point. could I do other cosplay videos? Sure. I've got a whole Thor costume that I made for Comic-Con. I could definitely do more cosplay videos, but I'm I am purposefully denying myself that right now because no, I man, ain't no sellout. No, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to get sucked in to some sort of race where like, I don't know. I, I just watched a, a Joseph Gordon-Levin TED, TED talk this morning. And one thing that he said that really spoke to me was when he was so concerned about getting attention and like what articles would say about him, you know, if he accepts this role, what are people going to say? Is he going to get any attention for playing this part? He's like, don't, don't think of your co-stars or don't think of anyone else as a competitor. Think of them as a collaborator. I love so that. all I love these that. people that I'm that I'm duetting now, like I'm I'm just thinking of them as like, oh, that's a potential collaborator. That's someone that I can collaborate with. And I don't even need to reach out and ask, hey, do you want to work on this together? So you just hit duet and that's it. And right. if they if it's so bad that they <laughs> just want you to take it down, then I guess you could do that. But I haven't had any requests to take stuff down yet. So because you'd be killing it fact they were about to press with the lawsuit and then they said wait hold up he's killing it he's shredding he it kind of got something here <laughs> dude <laughs> got something here but I, I just i can't stress it enough if like if you are just constantly checking your follower account and trying to get it up then that is a recipe for unhappiness so just whatever you're doing make sure and, you're doing it for the right reasons yeah, yeah and i feel like it's it's a recipe to be doing it because of what you think needs to be put there or what do you think people might want to see? And a lot of times, that's how you get away with your own voice. Or, sorry, you get away from your own voice. And like we said earlier, I feel like that's the strongest thing that any sort of artist or creator can offer. Their perspective, their voice. So if you feel like you just need to do the natural thing to do after this video that hit, you know, it could become stale very quick. Right. Like, why, why chase an algorithm? Because that's really what you're chasing. You're not chasing people with free will you're you are chasing the algorithm to put it in front of people why do that when you can make bad paintings <laughs> stop, stop it all just down back make to the bad bad paintings. paintings stop 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 i'm speaking the truth out here though big fact um big old fact <laughs> i mean i was just gonna say you know i feel like this has been a beautiful convo you know we've been talking about music we've been talking about art but you know something i said in our pre-show briefing you know because <laughs> I, I think i know what you're about to say okay 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 in that case in see that, if in, gabe can guess it okay in that case you take it let's see this that we could because i'm pretty sure you're talking about the little drank drank with the mixology right blame it on the booze gotcha. <laughs> blame it on the trail so i was gotcha. thinking we could we could, we could Link that up with one of the little little segments we got. Oh, that's fire! Maybe with right? uh, a shindig with, or something yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly. So Ben, go. Ben, we got this little this little seg seg, right? Oh boy. I'm at the <laughs> bartender looking for me. Speaking of copyright infringement, facts. <laughs> um. So yeah, we got this segment called shindig, and it's basically we ask our guests to share like three things that they would want to have if they're hosting like a get together you know to have the best get together but i think since you're Ooh. you know the the drinks extraordinaire tell us three different drinks that you would be mixing up in the kitchen for this fiesta okay all right everybody ben's right brain on insta yes, he's posting some fire mixology weekly check it out <laughs> mm -hmm. oh thank you Let's see. You know, it, it really depends on the, the time of, of year. So if it's like a, a Christmas Whatever holiday time party, you want, if it's a Christmas. OK. All right. Well, then that's right. It's not summer anymore. Whatever you want. Yeah. I, I think maybe also, you know, what would be like you got a big crowd coming and you got people from, you know, different tastes, different things they like. If you were tasked with, OK, the only three things that these people could imbibe if they choose to would be these three cocktails what would you present as that menu all right here's what you do you make a big ass thing of eggnog real eggnog i'm talking bourbon yep. 
the bit of cognac, uh, bit of simple syrup. If you want to like really make it fun, you can use maple syrup. You use real eggs, whole eggs, shake it up, or I guess maybe blend it up if you're like doing this en masse, and then add milk. And make sure that before you serve it to to people, when you you put it in the glass, put some fresh grated nutmeg on top and some orange okay. zest. Ooh, okay. that the orange nutmeg, zest. The nutmeg and the orange zest. That's how you. That zest it. is the key. Mm-hmm. Fact. Uh, that acid just cuts through. Oh uh, yeah. If you have any like maraschino liqueur, I know some people are gonna be like, "Isn't it maraschino?" Apparently, it's maraschino. Talk to them, bro. Just a little, Educate. just a little hint of that. Uh, not too much. It's pretty overpowering though. The second drink is okay. probably my favorite drink. It's called the Thanksgiving Cobbler. One of my favorites that you posted. Yep. I think I made it for you when you, you were at my house. You did. You did. And yeah. it was excellent. So you get cognac, some simple syrup, and some cranberries. You muddle that together. Then you throw in your ice and you shake. Then you got a double strain because you don't want like, all the uh, cranberry bits getting in there. And then you top with champagne. And then for garnish... Put some cranberries on there. They'll float at the top. And a f- sprig of fresh rosemary. Basically, all my favorite cocktails have rosemary in it. It is the biggest power play you can make in a drink, in my opinion. I mean, rosemary, just such an incredible ingredient and aromatic. Oh, uh, like, right. Between that, that and the cranberry, it really tastes like Thanksgiving. Love some cranberry. And then I'm going to say, you know, because if, if I'm having a bunch of people over, you never know people's preferences are. You got to have something ready for your pregnant women, for your Muslim brothers, for your underaged folks, for people who... Anybody just, who abstains, you know. Anyone who, who just abstains for whatever their reason. And you... Totally. Like, and, and, and I love that. Yeah. You know, that's, right for that's a great host right there. And pro tip, if people say that they're, they're not drinking, just don't, don't ask them why. Just of course, yeah. Let them let them be. But there's a, a drink called the driver, like the designated driver. Exactly. It's uh, two ounces orange juice, an ounce of lime juice, an ounce of grenadine. You shake and then you add some ginger beer, some really spicy, like a Jamaican bodega ginger beer. My man taking it to the bodega here. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I would like specifically go to the bodega across the street from the hospital and get that if I knew that I was going to be making that. Support your local yeah. bodegas. The real ginger flavor. And yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Because the thing is, that ginger beer, if it's spicy enough, it'll simulate the burn of a spirit. And mm. it's like, it's a different burn. It's like in the back of the throat. So like, you know, maybe you might want to have like another, a secondary mocktail on deck, like a Shirley Temple, something that's a bit more palatable for the youths. They don't want to be feeling a, an alcoholic burn. But if, if you're trying to please people that, I don't know, maybe... Maybe they're on uh, metronidazole, a.k.a. flagell, which is an antibiotic that you're not supposed to drink with. Breaking out the terminology, okay. You know, got a study on the go. Brought the study into the live podcast. This man <laughs> is a hustler, yo. This man is educating people about recipes, politics, mm-hmm. medicine. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the three. The driver, Thanksgiving cobbler, and eggnog for your next holiday party. I'm digging it. You broke out all these fire-sounding drinks, and I don't even drink, but they sound fire. Feel free to uh, to check in on, on the Insta, where next I will be posting how to make your own coffee liqueur Ooh. using instant coffee and vodka. How about we make that coffee liqueur and then make a little hard tiramisu? Ooh. One of my favorite dishes involving the coffee flavor. Ooh, you two in the kitchen, one on the drinks, one on the stove. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, just uh, look out for the Your Neighbor Is pop-up. This Your Neighbor Is Cooking show show is really going to happen. We've talked about cooking on like the last three episodes now. (laughs) Brian, you'll you'll remember that that the last one I made was a a homemade horchata. Totally, and it looks amazing. Mix that up with your coffee liqueur. What do you get? You get a very interesting homemade white Russian. One of my favorite drinks, in part because of one of my favorite movies, Big Lebowski. The dude abides. That's a good Caucasian. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> he says, he what? Says you know, he says that. I know, yeah, it sounds kind of crazy. But he says that in the movie. White Russian, white whatever. I guess that's just his folksy way of describing the drink. But just it's one of those drinks that I just really enjoy because I'm just like, how could this be good? But it is good. Literally, what is it? Vodka, Kahlua, and milk? That's it. Milk? In a cocktail? It's good, though. But I think it's it's coffee and milk 
So it's it's just like a sure. sweet cup of coffee. Yeah, I mean, Kahlua is basically just like a coffee creamer with alcohol in it. So it is kind of like a yeah, more milk-heavy sort of latte-ish thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, though, I mean, wow, what a what a conversation. You yeah, know, very wide-ranging. Ben, thank you for hopping on with us. You dropped yeah, yeah. a ton of knowledge. Yeah. Wait, I mean, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on, okay. Did this, did this man, Mather, not say he had a little challenge response for us before we got them? <laughs> oh. Wait, wait, wait well, what? No, no, he was he was serious? I don't know. Whoa, one sec, Joe, Joe, cut the audio, cut the audio. Um, yeah, 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 the mug, the mug thing. Yeah, the mug. We need it. Do you, do we have it? Okay, I need it like yesterday. Can we get it? Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you ordered it? Okay. All right, roll the tape. Okay, okay, so. All right, all right. Okay, I think somebody's up for the challenge. Trying to get this mug in the collection, okay. Some, somebody's a great guest and also a great listener, it seems. Do you have that for us, Mather? Or did you lie to the people? Is that what you did on this episode? You lied to the people? No, I didn't lie to the people. I just lied to you in context. Joe, cut cut this. Cut this. I'm out. I'm leaving the studio. (laughs) Cut this. Uh, this. What was was the challenge again? You know what the challenge was. Uh, Don't you dare dance around the topic. Okay, so for those of you uh, just tuning in, that's not how podcasts work, is it? Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, one no word on AM radio. Yeah, <laughs> the live episodes, right? Brian and Gabe put out a little challenge to see if you'd been listening to the first three episodes, or if you're just joining us now. And uh, they wanted to see if you knew how Gabe started his rap career when it when it all began, and then yes, what was Brian's older brother doing under a bridge, down by the river? What was he, he doing? Was he was not doing a Chris Farley impression. And thank thank the Lord he was also not doing a Anthony Akitas impersonation <laughs> under the bridge. Yeah. But so I, I'm listening to episode three of the podcast while riding my bike, hearing them put out this challenge and uh, these words, they just came to me. Give us so I had, I had to write them down. And uh, let me tell you about Goods Paradito wanted a girl to know his name. She said, Goods rapper who? Like a thorn in the rain. Little did she know that he'd Ooh. be spitting this much flame when you hear these lights go out. Chick will never be the same. Chilling in the neck with my foots on necks. Nurse singing and painting a t- TikTok and never know what's next. Conquering Catan with my longest road. Yeah, your army cannot harm me. I know it's a weird flex. Ooh! <laughs> Let's go! I'm going to just have to say, any other future listeners, if we do another challenge, y'all need to come harder. Because this yep. man just rapped his answers to the challenge are y'all like are y'all even on the same wavelength i don't think y'all i don't think y'all are are y'all hearing the dedication right now this man is fighting for that mug he needs that mug in his life i need that mug in my life this man is dropping what a nice tight 8 to 12 just to get that mug i have nowhere to pour my coffee it just goes into my hands and then i (laughs) sip it i need that mug (laughs) <laughs> Crazy. This man's resolve has been built by pouring that coffee straight into his mouth. It's Come so on. hot. Damn. I mean, as Gabe said, you smashed that challenge. Um, I guess so we're now have to give this man a mug. We'll be getting you that mug in, uh, you know, about two to three weeks. Uh, <laughs> shipping it. Uh, <laughs> uh, give or take five to seven business days. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We got to put the order up. in, but. I'm going to get a mug yeah, I and a like, for the shipping and handling. <laughs> I like that energy, Gabe. Anybody who tries to get one of these excellent mugs off of us, they need to come correct with some creativity as well, like this really man do. just did, and kicked a freestyle for y'all. They really uh, did. And, and, and Joe, once you get back from uh, running around town to get that mug, can we get about 17 uh, air horns back there? <laughs> and maybe some bombs dropping? liking that i'm liking that let's do that i should mention that yeah we play Catan. Uh, your neighbor is yeah we, we do dabble in that I, I know i just like dropped that little thing at the end with the Catan. and if anyone doesn't know 
We play Catan. Look us up. There's the explanation. Anybody looking for a game, you got three willing and able people here. Catan Universe on Steam. Talk to us. Yeah, check back for the 50th episode for that live stream Catan game with live commentary. (laughs) We've already got the letter out to Klaus Teuber or Tuber. Apologies if I mispronounce the name. Hopefully the goat himself will hop on with us. Yeah, well, great convo. Thanks for coming on, Ben. What a way to wrap up the episode. (laughs) What a way. (laughs) Yeah, probably our our, our funniest, silliest episode to date, but I absolutely loved it. Yeah, great convo, guys, and uh, thanks for hopping on. I can't wait to hear the Dorian episode and and see how this compares. Yeah. That that hasn't dropped yet. At the time that we're recording this, the Dorian episode has not yet dropped. It has so not this dropped. might be way chill, chill on us. Chill but on that's, us. That's, that's full of silly moments as well. It okay. is. It is. And we need to get that man in the Catan game. Mm. Fuck. Anywho. All right then, Pete. Signing off for Your Neighbor Is. Thank you again to our wonderful guest, Ben Mather. I'm Brian. I am Gabe. Thank y'all for tuning in. And, and we'll, uh, we'll we'll catch you, you hoes, later. <laughs> we'll holla. Be excellent to each other. Thanks, guys. Doses. Deuces. Deuces. <laughs> Cut that. Cut this is my voice. <laughs> Cut that. Stop this recording. It now. comes full circle. <laughs>